Hi, I'm Will Roadhouse, and I'm the CEO of Roadhouse International and Compass Group International, and welcome to my podcast show. Today, I am going to talk about, which I haven't done in a while, and this is an updated episode in Q1 of 2022, and this will pretty much, I would say, be relevant uh, for the next year to five years. Uh, because I'm going to give you kind of general terms. And I want to say just one to five years. These are basic guidelines they should be following if you want to be a successful investor in emerging countries like Thailand. So today's topic is these are the properties that you should not be buying in Thailand or any emerging markets and how it differs than Western countries. And this kind of sparked from a conversation I had with a new friend that I made and uh, quite an intelligent uh, real estate investor and uh, quite the entrepreneur himself. And these are the things that uh, he asked me. And I thought, you know what, I should probably update uh, this podcast because a lot of people now that are following my podcast have been asking me the same exact question because not too long ago I had... I would say about three to four individuals with even one coming here to Thailand talking about fix and flips, talking about buying commercial real estate. And I can tell you is not all of them are good, vast majority. So let's start. Number one, as a savvy investor in a Western country like in North America, or even in the UK, different parts of Europe, Australia, New Zealand, you can literally buy any sort of property as long as not really super crime infested or in a bad location, like you got drug dealers, you know, dealing drugs or a crack house next to you. But sometimes, depending on location, those properties go up in value too. But for the most part, when you're buying a Western country like the United States, whether it's a home, a triplex, duplex, small apartment building, you do fairly well. And a lot of these buildings are pretty old too. They can be anywhere from 10, 20, 50, even sometimes like 60 to 70 years old. Uh, but they still churn a profit. But here in emerging markets like Thailand, they do not. And here are the reasons why. So first, I'm going to talk to you about properties that you should not be buying and why. First, fix and flips. They do not work here. They work in the United States. You see all these fix and flip shows, especially with my old network of HGTV. Yes, they work. And also, by the way, is that not all that stuff on TV is real. Take it from someone uh, that was on House Hunters International for eight years. So please uh, don't take everything you see on TV. Always take it with a grain of sand. It's made for entertainment. The added drama is always added in there for more entertainment purposes than investment purposes. If you look at what some of these ex-HGTV fix and flip gurus have constantly been sued by consumers for wrongful, wrongfully pitching them or putting them in bad investments. Happens all the time. Just Google it. Uh, lawsuits with HGTV hosts. You'll find quite a few of them and with names that you would recognize. So fix and flips don't work. And here are the reasons why. 
Thailand is a rapidly growing country of the rich and the famous. There are more and more famous people uh, that are more internationally recognized. Uh, one very, very good example, obviously, are for you martial artists like uh, Tony Ja uh, from Om Buck. Um, um, Buck, yeah, uh, you know, martial arts films, uh, to most recently, uh, Blackpink, so Lisa from Blackpink, if you don't know who she is, uh, they, Blackpink is a world-recognized uh, girl group out of Korea, uh, but Lisa is actually Thai. So there are more and more famous people coming out of Thailand that are internationally recognized, but there are more and more famous individuals that are actually moving to Thailand too. So with that, with the country becoming wealthier, with the citizens making more money, they, afford, they can afford to upgrade. They can afford to buy better homes. And what that means is Thai people, most Asian people, we don't like old homes. Anything actually older than 10 years, we really don't want them. So if you think that you can come here, go to some area that is in the middle of nowhere, and you can buy a home for like 50 grand, 100 grand, and fix it, you're not gonna flip it for much more than what you paid for it. Because there's so much inventory at that price range of $100,000, so let's say that's 3 million baht. So for 3 million baht for $100,000, you can buy a brand new home or townhouse here in Thailand. So why would they want to buy a, a something that's old and that you had to fix up? So it just does not work here. Even mega mansions. So I have seen mega mansions. So this one, like literally, seriously, if I, if I just had some stupid money lying around, like I was stupid rich, which I'm not stupid rich, I saw this killer, and this would have to be my primary, our primary residence. I saw this killer home on one of a very well-recognized country club here in Bangkok. This is a home, golf course views, one of the fairway uh, runs beside it, uh, and one of the lakes is right there. And the home I think is a little over 10,000, maybe around 12,000 square feet. Seriously, maybe some tender loving. That property was just a little over a million. That same exact property, like in, in Lake Las Vegas, uh, would be easily uh, three to five million. Same exact thing, uh, let's say in Spanish Trails, like in Las Vegas, which is an older neighborhood, uh, 10,000 square feet property like that on a golf course would still be around three million at least. But even a property like that, uh, if I were to go in there and fix it, I couldn't flip it for much more. I, I wouldn't even make them, I would just break even. The reason behind that is, is because it's older. It's just that sticking. I mean, that home is like, I think like 15 years old, maybe even 20. People just aren't interested in old homes like that because for a million bucks, they can be in a very well-to-do, a very, what we call high-so community, a high-so, is high society community that's in Rajapasong, our central shopping district, or our Wall Street, which is Satong, or Silong, or like one of the Rama, like Rama 9. They would rather be there. 
And for a million bucks, they can buy a brownstone that's four stories with an elevator, same equivalent in New York, 10 million bucks, or a single family detached home uh, that's around 5,000 square feet in a small community of maybe less than 50 homes or 25 homes, very exclusive. They would rather be there. So fix and flips do not work. They do not work. Condo conversions do not work because we have way too many condos in that fifty dollars to $100,000 range here in Bangkok. Nobody would want to buy an old building. Everybody wants new. Any sort of fix and flips do not work. Then the next thing is spec homes. I get asked that a lot. Spec homes in Bangkok do not work because there's no land. All the major land in, in any decent location because people still work and they still want to be within driving distance to central shopping districts or whatever it may be. So if you want to buy land to build a spec home, you're way out in the middle of boonies. I mean, you're outside of Bangkok, you're getting to Samut Prakan, uh, which is the large, uh, which is where Suwannabum Airport sits. And it's just buying a piece of land, building a 10 or 20,000, 10 and 20,000 square foot spec home, nobody wants that. They'll rather be in the city, living in a place like Chitlong, which is in Raja Prasong, uh, or living in Tang Lo, which is kind of like our Beverly Hills, which is very heavily Japanese influenced, or Satong, uh, which is that beautiful building uh, that you see looks like it's on fire, kind of crumbling. Uh, the Ritz-Carlton is in there, and that's the Maha Nakong building. People would rather be there. Uh, they don't want to live out of booties. But there is a trend where HISO and affluent Bangkokians are getting out of condo living and buying single-family detached homes. But then again, these are just outside. You know, and these are with major first-class developers that are equivalent of Toll Brothers, William Lyon, Lennar, and so forth. So fix and flips, spec homes, don't waste your money because it's not going to work. Even in beach communities, they do not work. Then the next, and also by the way is, is that you, if you, unless you speak Thai, ugh, you don't want to deal with, you don't want to deal with any contractor here. Dealing with, it's certainly a lot better in Latin America because contractors in Latin America are so freaking lazy and just have no sense of urgency. You want something fixed, it's going to take freaking forever or anything built. Where here, there's a little bit more sense of urgency, but still, they still have that sabai sabai, which is, which is kind of like a relaxed uh, mentality because the people that are building your homes are from Myanmar and a sabai, that relaxed, chilled uh, you know, mentality of Latins is very, very uh, pronounced here. Uh, so working with contractors, uh, you're going to freaking pull your hair out. Then the next thing is, is commercial real estate. Uh, so let's talk about residential, commercial, uh, multi-units first. Very few, uh, well, first of all, uh, let's talk about uh, legal aspects of owning real estate here in Thailand. As a foreigner, we are entitled to own condos in buildings that have allotted 51% ownership for foreign owners. And in these condo buildings that have these allotments, I as a foreigner 
can buy a condo and own it free and clear with the deed under my name, just like the United States, just like in your country. But, okay, let me before I get the but, that is all we can own. That is it. Outside of that, we cannot own land, single family homes, detached or attached townhomes, uh, condos that aren't that don't have these 51% allotments. We can't own land. We can't own commercial buildings. We can't. But there's a workaround. And that workaround is uh, we create a Thai LLC, and that Thai LLC, which you own, buys that large estate, buys that commercial building. So there is a workaround. So back to the multi-units. And this kind of sparked uh, from a recent conversation that I had. And I really didn't want to tell him he made a bad investment. But if you listen to this, I'm sorry, but you made a bad investment. But I gave him a solution. Uh, so the thing is, is that uh, when you come from the States and you look at, let's just say, a 30, 40, 50, 100 unit apartment complex, you're like, wow, holy cow. The revenues on that is not bad. And that building is like a fraction of what it would cost in America. I'm going to buy it. And yeah, you're going to make some revenues. The revenues are okay. But here's what you don't understand. What you don't understand is the person... The original developer who built that building uh, most likely didn't do a good job. That building is going to have a just a ridiculous amount of problems in the future. From plumbing to cracking foundations, uh, just units within the units. The flooring is cracked. You're going to see large cracks on the walls, uh, mold issues, just issues in elect and electricity issues. I mean, like, they hire shoddy electricians and just do this funky wiring. And it's a huge freaking, uh, like, a, a, a huge potential of someone getting killed with electrician getting electrocuted. But it's just really shoddy construction because they just slap it together. But the idea to build these buildings are for lower class individuals, mostly immigrants that are coming from other countries like Myanmar, Laos, Cambodians. So these are the type of individuals that pretty much do all the manual labor here in Thailand, especially people from Myanmar. That is a vast majority. Myanmar and Laos. Uh, Myanmar's are the most, the, the Burmese. Uh, they do a lot of the manual labor and these are the type of buildings are built for them. Where they're only paying, you know, $100 a month, $150 a month for the one-bedroom apartment. The problem is, is that unlike the United States, we have to build everything by code. Even here, if things are built to code, it doesn't mean jack because people will be paid off to have the inspections pass. So it means absolute zero if your building has been certified. It means zero, zilch. There's no merit to it. So that building is not going to last, so you're going to have a lot of major upkeep in the future. Then your tenants, your tenants, like 
in America, you can buy Section 8 housing or buy a multi-unit convert to Section 8 housing and be a killing because the government's going to pay you, buy you a paycheck or the government's going to pay their rent. So you have a consistent flow. But here, obviously, we don't have anything like that. So when you have a clientele of tenants that are below the poverty line, you're going to have bad tenants. That means these buildings are basically like the projects. That means high crime. And then worst case scenario, should someone be killed? Like if a murder happens, if someone commits suicide, if someone just dies, whether it's violently or peacefully, Asians, especially here in Southeast Asia, are very, very extremely superstitious, especially when they are coming from the poor regions of Isan up north and poor countries like Myanmar, Laos, Cambodia, Vietnam. They are extremely superstitious. If someone is murdered in the building, I could tell you right now that that whole floor would clear out because they're afraid that they're gonna see their ghost of that person. And worst of all, is your whole building would clear out because if one person says, I saw the ghost of so-and-so that was killed last month, everyone's leaving. They're gone. That's one of the biggest fears as an investor that you don't realize. And I know this because my wife is Thai She's in real estate. And I would have never known this because in America, people don't care. Western countries, people don't care. Someone dies, whatever. They'll still live in the same unit. And, and freaks out there actually want to buy some of these homes where people have been brutally murdered for some reason they just get a kick out of that. But not here in Thailand. Not here in Thailand. So that's worst case scenario. And you can't say, well, that's never going to happen. Yeah, that can happen because violent a lot of violent crime happens with people from Myanmar. Take out a machete, starts hacking someone. Uh, they beat they beat their wife to death. Uh, they drink a lot. Uh, drug abuse. I mean, listen, it's like that anywhere in the world. When you when you have a demographic of those type of individuals that are renting your units. But the problem is you have an added layer of problems is when someone violently dies or gets killed in your building. And then trying to resell that, forget about it. So that's, a, so that's getting killed, that's a problem. Then the other issue is, is that should you come time, should the time comes and you're like, I'm tired of this crap. Man, I'm tired of dealing with these people. So they're not paying rent and you know it's like sometimes they can get kind of violent uh, I'm just tired of it I want to sell it good luck good luck you know why because these type of units are really meant to be sold to foreigners like yourself I'm sorry but you're the suckers that are buying them Thais aren't buying them mm -mm. they're not buying those kind of units uh, it is beneath them to buy those kind of units and own stuff like that. Uh, they are primarily sold to Chinese. 
because they say, oh, wow, 100 units, 200 units, look how cheap it is. Chinese don't care. They just don't care. Or other Westerners. It's, it's made for you. So when you go around trying to sell it, you're gonna, you will literally, you can talk to 200, 300, 400, 500 brokers and agents and have them listed for you. They're not gonna find you a, a Thai buyer. You have to find a foreign buyer. And what that means is it's gonna take exponentially longer to sell that property. So I'm not talking about one or two years. I'm talking like maybe potentially four or five years. Unless you do it yourself. So that's the problem with old, owning, owning a multi-unit that's geared towards a lower income demographic. Here in Thailand, in emerging markets, it is better suited and better investment advice to always spend two times, three times, four times more and buy in a better neighborhood, in a better location, and you're catering towards an affluent clientele. Always, always, that should be your number one strategy, always. When you are living in a building, I'll give you another good example. Uh, so if you, if you look at all over Bangkok, all over Thailand, but let's just use Bangkok. They have uh, developers that build low-end all the way up to exclusive high-end. So you can have one location, just one location, where a developer, let's just say a local developer, it's a no-name local developer, builds a mid-rise building, and, the, and those units are starting at $60,000. But right next door, you have a developer like AP Thai, which is no more developer here in Thailand, uh, but there are certainly other developers that are better than them. But let's say they build one of their higher-end uh, buildings right next door. And that same exact one-bedroom where this low-rise or mid-rise is selling for $60,000 a unit is selling for $150,000 to $200,000 per unit. Well, you're going to have a better resale value should you want to sell it and also better renters by buying, paying double the price. Because when it comes down, and you will down the road, unless you live in it yourself, and again, these are just for investment purposes, most likely you're going to want to sell that unit to get something else down the road. The mid-rise, even though you can buy two or three units, you're probably not going to make your money back. It's going to go into market three, five, ten years later at below what you paid for, so there won't be any appreciation, and you're not going to be able to sell it. The only person going to buy it is hopefully you'll get a foreigner that can buy it for you. A foreigner out of the UK that is poor and just looking for something cheap. Yeah, they're your, they're your clientele. But next door, at this AP Thai building, that this one bedroom, let's just say it's $200,000. Because the brand is familiar to Thais, Thais will buy it. They're familiar with the brand. It's, a, it's one of their luxury signature buildings. And then in addition to that is because of luxury building, you also have an audience 
of foreigners. So you have two demographics as potential clients that will buy that unit. And you also have better renters. And also in addition to that is, is that most developers have in-house juristics, in-house property managers. So the building is built better quality, it's maintained better as opposed to this no-name developer, and this is the first building they've ever built, that building is just run down. You see mold growing inside of the building. You see the building never being repainted. Uh, you see just all kinds of stuff that is falling apart. And you see this all the time. Not just in Thailand, all throughout uh, emerging markets. That's why we are so specialized in what we do. As a foreigner, when you come to this country and you walk into a Century 21, a Remax or whatever, or some broker, honestly, they, they just see you as just a stupid foreigner and they're gonna, just gonna put you into a condo that pays the highest commission. What, how they treat you as opposed to how they treat a Thai, any Thai, because they know that Thais are smart when it comes to real estate because they've lived here and they know what's good and what's bad. Where a foreigner, they know that you know nothing. They know that you know nothing. They'll sell you the crap and with ties, they know they have to show them quality. So when we are buying clients investment properties, I am looking for the cheapest unit in the most expensive building in the best location that has a brand name. That is number one strategy. And if you think that anything along the BTS is good, that's not true. And again, it's not true. You know, a foreigner, so Nana is a BTS stock. Nana is is known as kind of a red light district. And as a foreigner, you may think, oh, wow, there's a lot of big buildings here. This might be a good investment because there's a lot of foreigners here. So I'm going to buy something here. Then when you try to resell it, you realize that nobody wants to buy it, especially Thais, because Thais don't want to live there. There's a stigma to living in Nana. It's around all, where all the hookers are. It's, it's, it's a total, uh, let's just say, stereotype. There's, like, there's hookers everywhere. There is a specific red light district, but the notion is, is that I don't want to be there. Ties won't buy it. Ties won't touch it. So your only bet is foreigners. And when you have a pandemic like this, where there's no foreigners coming to the country, your unit sits empty. Nobody wants to buy it. And it's not easy selling to foreigners. I've been doing this for 20 years. It's easy for me. I have clientele. I have a name. I have experience. I have a track record. But for someone like yourself that doesn't have any of that, and you're just trying to sell it, good luck. You're not going to be successful. It's going to be very, very difficult. So you have to be very, very specific on what you're going to buy. Whether you use us or not, you have to do your homework. And your homework is not just coming here once or twice. It's coming here and literally spending three or four months walking every single soy to every single street 
and getting to know Bangkok like you live here. And even that, you're still not going to know. I learned a lot from my wife and from the associates that she trains and from the other friends that she has that are Thai that are in this business. I know what locals know. And I am sharing that experience with my clientele. So location, it's not always location, location, location. It's not. It's everything. It's location. It's uh, the developer. It's the brand. So developers have, let's say, say they have 10 different brands of developments. Which brand is the developer building? Is it their low end? Is it the mid end? Is it the high tier? Which brand? Because that makes a difference. And then property manager juristic. Uh, what part, what side of the road are you on? What's next to you? You may not know that, but there are things that are disliked by ties. It's what makes the properties go up and what makes the properties go down and depreciate over time. And again, it's just something that you learn. And I've been here for over 10 years, so now I know. Now I know, and thanks to my wife. So here is another thing I wouldn't buy. I wouldn't buy anything in any beach island down south. Any beach island. Samoy, Phuket, any of those islands. Because they're literally ghost towns. This pandemic has made them a ghost town. There are freaking fire sales left and right because these beach cities rely heavily on foreign tourists and there is no foreign tourist. And also the, for, the foreigners that own these units have not been back in two years. And they're desperately trying to sell and these units cannot sell. I know, I know quite a few people. Have their, have their, they've had their units for sale, reduction, 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 for the last two years and not even one single showing. Not even one. I will tell you as I, as I relay and suggest to all my clients, if you love Phuket, if you love Samoa in these islands, just rent. There are so many wonderful properties and hotels that you can rent. Just rent. Same goes with up north in Chiang Mai. Same. Folks, there's really only one place as an investor to invest in, and it's Bangkok. Bangkok is the only place in Thailand that's going to be the best bang for the buck and the highest appreciation. It's not the beach cities. As I say often in my videos and my podcast, Thailand and you know this part of the world is one of the few and oddities compared to Western countries where coastal properties are normally between 30 or 25 to 50 to even 100% more as opposed to inland properties. Where here, that is not the case. The most expensive properties are in Bangkok. Coastal properties are between 25 to 35% less. Weird, huh? But that's a benefit to all of us that always wanted to live by the water, that couldn't afford it, and now you can. Now you can have the beach home of your dreams because not just the properties are 25 to 30% lower, but cost of living compared to Bangkok is 25 to 30% 25 to 30% lower. 
And then in these beach communities that I like, Patia Jungtian, that's only about an hour and a half here, uh, Cha'am Hua Hin, which is about two to two and a half hours from here, these places, 99% of the real estate is junk and garbage and you just don't want it. As an investor, that is. As a homeowner, there's a lot of great properties. As long as you don't want to sell it, because you'll never make your money back, but it's a great location, great place to live. But as an investor, really only 1% of the units out there currently on the market and currently being developed are fit for not just living there full-time, part-time, but also for future appreciation and resale value. And those are always going to be condos by branded developers. Always. So I hope you found this podcast, this episode to be helpful. And I'm sorry if I rained on some of your parade. You know, I remember uh, talking to this individual and he was looking to buy, oh, let's talk about commercial real estate, just general commercial real estate, like office buildings. And that's what he's looking for. And uh, I couldn't align him with one of my agents and plus not just that he wasn't ready to buy so anyone that says that I'm just a looky-loo I'm just not interested I'm not going to uh, put any of my agents uh, pair them with them uh, because they can just simply go to walk into any other brokerage and they can be educated through them uh, but that's not what our job is our job is to work with clientele that's already pretty much ready to make their decision and pull the strings but he wanted to buy office buildings Office buildings are the same. You can only buy office buildings um, that's put into a Thai corporation. But office buildings, one of the great things about Thailand or Asia, unlike Western countries, is Western countries are to a point where people have been working from home for the last two years and they don't want to go back to the office. Like, I want to stay home and I'm willing to take, I'm willing to take a pay cut to work at home. I've already designated a section of my house. I'm I'm more productive here, I have kids, I'm saving money by not having to put them through daycare, I wanna stay home. If you want me to come back to work, I'm gonna quit and I'm gonna go find another company that allows me to stay home. So that's just Western society for you. But in Asian culture, uh-uh, that is not happening. Yeah, there's a little bit of work from home, but you're coming back to the office. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. You're coming back to the office or you're gone. And when you have a great job like that, you don't want to be fired. So office buildings are a good investment, but the problem is there are so many office buildings where there isn't complete oversupply of office buildings for sale. So more so than Western country, we can just buy an office building or a office park, and you're gonna make some good revenue. Here, there's just too much to choose from. And there's new office parks, new buildings, office buildings being erected all the time. One of the areas that I like is on the border of Bangkok and Samarpakan. And it's at a place called Bang, uh, Bangna. Bangna, I believe in 10, 20 years, would be the new Bangkok, would be new Bangkok. 
Uh, there's no flooding issues there. Uh, that's the largest mall in Thailand that's going to be built there called the Bangkok Mall. Uh, that will be the top five largest mall in the world. So there's an there's a mega bangnats. It's an it's a huge shopping mall, just a mega mall, and it's anchored by IKEA. And we went to uh, an overview of it, and just surrounding IKEA and mega bangnat, there's something like nine to fifteen office buildings being built. That's going to be built. So. For those of you that are looking to buy office buildings, I would say wait. And if you are going to buy an office building, I would say I would steer you towards Bangna. But for those of you that really have the money, where you want to be is in our Wall Street, which is in our Saturn, uh, Ceylon. That's our Wall Street. That's our central financial district. Chitlong. Which is, uh, which is Ratchaprasong, which is kind of anchored by Central World, Siam Paragon. That is our central shopping district. And there are many office buildings there too, but I still would gravitate you more towards Simon Satum. And I wouldn't buy office buildings anywhere outside of Bangkok, anywhere, anywhere outside of these locations. Uh, it just does not work in Chiang Mai. It's a bad, it's a bad, bad investment. Uh, any beach cities, even large beach cities like Phuket or Pattaya, I would not recommend it at all, man. Uh, just not a good investment at all. And I'm trying to think. So I think that those are usually uh, the questions that people throw out at me. Uh, if you are looking, if you're an average investor. Uh, that has a million to two million. I would say the best way to pursue this is buying multiple units in a condo in the best building and buying the cheapest thing in that building. And or, or buying a boutique hotel. As I say many times, as Bangkok or Thailand is one of the few places in the world. We can find a great boutique hotel for as low as a million bucks. I've seen uh, boutique hotels on the beach, which are not bad, eight to ten keys for a million bucks. For two million, about twenty-five to thirty keys, and uh, you're gonna find them at pretty good deals right now. Well, actually, you're not gonna find them. You would need someone like me to find them for you uh, because they're not advertised. Uh, but these, they're twenty-five percent occupancy compared to ninety over percent occupancy when pre-pandemic. So if you have the funds to carry you for the next year of low occupancy, you can find a really, really you can find some many good deals on these small boutique hotels right now. So this takes me to the next point of mega resorts and hotels. Mega resorts and hotels are at a great deal right now. You know, what Thailand was hoping and a lot of hotel, you know, we kind of stopped uh, listing hotels and working with hotels is because during the pandemic, uh, Thai owners were just refused to reduce the price because they're like, okay, well, this pandemic's going to be over soon. Thailand's going to reopen. We'll be back to one of the top travel destinations in the world. 
and Bangkok will be back as the number one travel destination in the world. Well, that didn't happen because Thailand is not fully open. And they've tried many times with these different type of programs, uh, from Phuket sandboxes uh, to test and go, and just absolute uttermost failure. And it's not going to get any better until Thailand says, hey, we're going to open up Thailand to you to fully vaccinated. Just show us your vaccine and off you go. They have to make it that easy. Uh, where most of the countries, surrounding countries, are doing that and are getting a little bit more tourists. But so we're not really working with any of these mega projects yet because the pricing is uh, it's overpriced. The owners are very, very hard to find right now uh, because some of them are very transitory in a sense of uh, the organization is very mishmashed because of what's been happening in the last two years. Some of these hotels, the lights are off. I'm talking, I've seen hotels with over 100 to 200 keys and whole freaking building, the lights are off. But if you are going to buy a hotel, there is really only one place that I would recommend, and that is in Hua Hin. And here are the reasons why. Pattaya, which was a international destination for everyone. It's a ghost town. Zhongtian is not quite the ghost town because you're still having a lot more. Uh, they're still trying to cater to, and they still do cater to local Thais. Thais do go to Pattaya because it's an easy getaway. It's only about an hour away. Uh, but the stigma of Pattaya being a big giant red light district kind of steers them away, and they just go right next door to Zhongtian. Uh, but I still wouldn't recommend those areas because Hua Hin is just a better bet. Hua Hin is a better bet because it's like the Newport Beach of, of Thailand. Uh, the prior queen still lives there. They have a huge, beautiful palace there. The late king resided there before he passed away. It's clean, the people are super nice. There isn't any type of red light districts. Uh, rich ties, vacation there. That's why when you see some of, some of the times when I do post, I'm always in Chang Bwai Hin because that's where you want to be. That's where local Thais go on vacation. Uh, you don't really want to be seen in Pattaya. You go to Hua Hin, you go to Chang. Uh, but if you have the budget, Hua Hin is the only place to buy a hotel right now. Phuket, I don't care how cheap it is, don't even bother. Yeah, there's been some sales, but I'm telling you, uh, even if even if Thailand were to open up tomorrow, if Thailand were to say, so right now it's Monday, okay? So let's just say today Thailand announced to the world saying that we are now going to open Thailand to all tourists that are fully vaccinated and there's no quarantine. You just, you just have to apply. You have to show proof of vaccination and that's it. Off you go and maybe do a, a RTPC test or what do we call them? A quick test on arrival. As long as you test negative, you're off. You can go anywhere you want. Even if Thailand were to say that today, it would take these island getaways like Phuket and Samoy and other island places two to three years to recover from the last two years. Because all the vendors, all the people in the travel industry that worked in these cities that made that made it run, they've all folded, went bankrupt, 
and went back to Esau. They went back home. So it's like a good example would be is you're a developer and you're developing a community of a hundred homes. If all your day laborers say, I'm not coming to work, your project, I don't care what name you put on it, how exclusive it is, it's never gonna get done and nobody's ever gonna come. These island getaways will never get back to where they are until the people, the heart of the people, the great mama pop restaurants and the vendors, these little shops and, and, and these travel guides. And these are the people that run places like Phuket. These are the small mom and pop businesses. These are why you go. You don't go there just go to a hotel and lounge at the beach all day. No, you get out of the hotel to go do cool stuff. Well, they're not coming back anytime soon. And it's going to take a while for it to recover. And that's what people fail to realize. When I hear people asking me, do you have any hotels for sale in these island getaways? No, I don't. And I don't recommend you buy anything. Yeah, I could go find you a great deal. Here's the one thing that you're going to find out about me, and it surprises a lot of people. You can come to me, and you can say, I want to buy a property. I want to invest in Phuket. I want to invest in Samoy. I can easily say yes, find you a home for a million dollars, find you a hotel that has maybe 50 to 100 keys for about 15, 25 million, knowing that it's a bad investment. But I'm not that kind of broker. I'm just not. Seriously, if you want to test me, email me. Email, email me and say, I want to buy a hotel in Phuket. And I will tell you, I do not recommend anything in Phuket. Please, you know, go find another broker. But I would recommend other hotels in other areas. But even beyond that, I would wait. You know, a lot of brokers are such used car salesmen because they look at the next commission. But I am not a broker. I come from a consultative type of business, which is wealth and asset management from a major financial institution. I was a consultant to large affluent families, everything from their estate plan from A to Z, to doing little things as to having our team pay for their mortgages in some of their vacation homes, taking them to the Staples Center to go see Britney Spears or go see the Lakers, you know, or, or something like that. I'm a consultant. And as a consultant, it is my duty to make sure that I am steering you as a client in the right direction. So right now, I am telling you as a consultant, as a person who lives here in Thailand, that if any broker is telling you, you should buy something in these islands, like in Phuket or Samoy, buy a hotel or something, they are only trying to make a commission from you. It is a bad investment. There is a reason why I have not been posting any hotels for sale in Thailand 
because right now is a bad time. It's a big giant question mark. I want my clients to wait. That's what a consultant does. I am a for-profit company, but I'm also looking out for my client because that's what I was taught from my bank that I work for. You care for your client, but there were, the reason why I left is that care just seemed to went away. You know, as the bank got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, you just became a number and our goals got bigger and bigger and bigger. So the problem is, is that, well, I don't want to say who the bank name is, but they certainly had some big legal issues uh, because forcing their employees with outrageous goals uh, to basically uh, post some fictitious numbers. And I saw that. That's why I left. And that's the care that I bring to my business and always has been. I have fired just as many clients as the clients that have hired me. I can continue to take their ten, twenty thousand dollar retainers every single month, uh, being uh, their marketing consultant, doing everything for them. But if they're not doing what I suggest to make this project successful, I will fire them. I will cancel my contract and walk away. Every time I have done that for major brands, those developments never ever succeed and never get developed. Within three to 12 months, they are done. So I know I did the right thing. So I hope you appreciate that, and I hope you understand that is why you hire us. Because we are not yes men, and we are not yes women. We are here as consultants to make sure that we are doing the right thing for you and your family. Whether it's your estate plan, or your growing portfolio of real estate across the world, whether you're a hoteler looking to expand your business or your hedge fund investing in new hotels or commercial real estate, I am going to do what's right for you. I hope you appreciate that. And I hope you can do some business. So I hope you found this podcast to be helpful. We'll talk to you soon.